Welcome to Cryptonized, the show that interviews the crypto masters and their ideas on investing and the blockchain. And now here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Vector Newman is the founder of newlife.ai. And today we're going to discuss who the next Facebook or Amazon is going to be in the blockchain space. Vector, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Vector. Some friends on Facebook, I'm uh, happy to have you on here and talk about this subject. It's something that uh, I've been thinking about for a while now. Uh, but before we jump in, can you tell us about yourself in 100 words or less? Yes, sure. So um, I define myself as a technologist um, involved in the culture uh, space. So I've been working with uh, between fashion and technology for the last 10 years uh, in Paris, obviously, with my accent. And uh, <laughs> right now I'm, I'm starting a new venture, which is uh, leveraging the virtues of uh, blockchain to uh, empower this, uh, this industry. Okay, excellent. And uh, so why don't you give me, because, uh, you know, you've got AI in the, the title of your company. Are you doing anything with artificial intelligence as well? Yes, so um, so it's a bit uh, tricky to to use those words because the uh, people have been uh, a bit uh, too much exposed to them. So uh, to to talk more uh, specifically, what we are building is a neural network of trends, and so it's uh, it's a platform that is tokenized, and so we are using blockchain as a way to enable trade between the users of the platform. Okay, excellent. So let's just jump right into the main question I, I have at hand, and that is, who's on the horizon to be the next Amazon or Facebook or even Google of crypto? Who do, who do you think's got the best chance that you see right now? And some of these things just come out of nowhere. I know that. But I mean, if you're looking at the landscape today, what is there, a thousand, two thousand crypto blockchain companies? Who, who do you see as the front runners for the next big major gorilla in the space? So I think there are many forces in, in presence. Um, a lot of it is still extremely experimental today. Uh, very few uh, blockchains are actually able to, uh, to scale and to compete with uh, uh, platforms like Facebook or Amazon. I think also it's, uh, it's still uh, an intellectual challenge to, uh, to implement those technologies into our life because it's uh, it involves a lot of fields at the same time. It's not only a technology, it's also, uh, it involves also uh, the legal aspect and the economics and macro, microeconomics. There are lots of fields of expertise that needs to be combined. And so it, uh, it reduces the, the odds of, of, uh, projects to emerge quickly. But on the other side, in the long term, it uh, creates, uh, it produces a new playground with a completely new type of, of profiles and, and companies and organizations that will emerge from it. To answer your question, basically, uh, I see uh, very strong uh, forces, obviously, in the uh, Ethereum uh, and the EOS blockchains. Uh, they are definitely the most active uh, developer communities and, and communities around ideas uh, as well. So um, uh, those are the infrastructures, the, the software and the, um, and the networks. 
And then in terms of dApps, uh, because the future of, uh, of blockchain relies on mass adoption, in my opinion. And so uh, in terms of dApps, uh, I see Everypedia could become a unicorn. Uh, it has the potential too. It has the team. Oh, Everypedia. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, Everypedia has a great potential. Uh, it, it was uh, the first um, DAP that was funded by EOSBC, by the program from the uh, Block One um, team. And so, yeah, I think the, the concept is awesome. They basically want to democratize the access to, to uh, a wiki. If you look at Wikipedia today, if you are not important enough they won't let you in which brings back the whole centralized culture of uh, academia and uh, uh, all those uh, curation let's say networks that uh, used to be centralized and give authority to people who gained from the media and from the academia uh, everypedia wants to be more open and to have no prejudice and to allow anyone to be featured there and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally uh, unlimited, the amount of pages that can be created and they all end up on Google. And so at some point, there will be a point of inflection where the model will take off. And uh, if uh, users get rewarded for their contributions, it can definitely become uh, uh, an alternative to, to Wikipedia. The only company I really see that's kind of knocking all the ballpark right now is Binance. I mean, they're one of only two tokens in the one, top 100 that have outperformed, I mean, that are higher now than they were uh, even a, a year or two years ago. Uh, and Binance, I think it's because of their economic model. Of course, they're an exchange, but their, economic, their token economic model is kind of brilliant, kind of next generation. And I think they're going to succeed and become bigger and bigger because A, they've got a, a world-class team and B, I think they're just very smart about how they're doing it and, and uh, yes. what they're doing. So other than that, I think we need an Alibaba or an Amazon, kind of this peer-to-peer -peer trading or marketplace on the blockchain. I just don't think the tools are sophisticated enough. So I haven't seen anyone, and that's not to say they're not out there. So if you are one of those people, just you know, let me know. But I haven't seen any kind of an Alibaba or Amazon model yet on the blockchain that I think, you know, has got a chance of winning. Um, I think Tron was very smart in acquiring BitTorrent. That's kind of the digitized version of that. Uh, and, yes. and we'll see what happens with that. The thing I worry about uh, with Tron is a, you know, they're kind of a, a Chinese company uh, that doesn't obey, you know, kind of worldwide copyright laws. And if, uh, if I'm guessing, I would say that Justin Sun is going to turn BitTorrent into this, you know, upload anything you want to, uh, whether it's movies or any type of digitized copyrighted assets and just put it on the blockchain. Since it's decentralized, he's going to say, well, you know, it's not my fault that somebody uploaded it and you can play this movie endlessly. And then he'll figure out a way to, to make money off of that while well, the whole while saying it's it's decentralized and out of our control. That's a pretty scary proposition, mm -hmm. but it could easily be done. So create the Netflix of the Netflix and whatever the gaming aspect of it, and any did you know the book version of that for the blockchain and charge a subscription to it. That would that would be a brilliant move, illegal as hell in the US, but in China, you know, 
The thing is, uh, it, it's all about volume. Like the, all the platforms started this way. If you look at uh, YouTube, for example, they started by violating a lot of copyrights, and they got away That's with good it point. because yeah, they sold, they 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 cleaned the the platform after being acquired by Google, and Google went uh, to give a hundred million dollars to each uh, firm that uh, to each main uh, major label and and music uh, video production companies in order to uh, to give them time to clean up the platform i think that the the battle for copyright protection versus BitTorrent has been lost for a very simple reason which is efficiency uh, the time you need to get your torrent you need to search online the the governments are deleting websites around the world you cannot really uh, create uh, a website that has a, a navigation. Uh, there is this uh, open source software called Popcorn Time that is uh, offering a streaming uh, tool that uh, looks a bit like Netflix and all those platforms. But uh, with this kind of platforms, you still need to wait for the torrent to load and all of that, all the struggle, all the hustle to find the movies and so on. People will go to the main network, uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and so on, to get their entertainment. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I want to turn to something I know that you care a lot about, and that are uh, DApps, you know, decentralized apps, um, and what's happened in 2019 with them, because I think some of the user bases trended down and then what you see happening in, in 2020 with with dApps can you touch on that a little bit with us sure so i think the main challenge is to shift from creating products for the crypto space to creating products for everyone and uh, today of course it's much easier to onboard people who are already in the crypto because there is all this KYC right. and so on so people already have uh, an ethereum account for example they can connect with your app much faster. So all the ecosystem has been kind of um, doing some cannibalism, like eating its, itself by selling and buying products inside the crypto space. And so the next the next phase is to bring new, um, new demographics. So if you look at uh, the shift from uh, Bitcoin to Ethereum, it, it already happened like that. You had Bitcoin and all the forks, uh, Litecoin and so on, that were taking some market, market shares from Bitcoin by replicating Bitcoin. And then from uh, an ecosystem made of miner, investors and idealists, we, thanks to Ethereum, we brought on chain a completely new type of, of users, which created his, its own culture with the ICOs and all this innovation around ZAO, ICO, all those uh, forms of uh, uh, organizations. And uh, I think it's now time to replicate that, but not only to programming, uh, but with all the industries, create new cultures and new incentives for them to, to tokenize their economy. And each use case is unique. Okay. Uh, so in, in 2020, you think they should be, you know, these developers should be focused on cons more consumer applications, stop building for the crypto industry necessarily, 
Um, see, I, I look at it slightly differently. I look at it as somebody's got to come up with some easy tools that are better than MetaMask and Scatter to onboard people and to allow them to, you know, to trade and to do some of those things that you can do in the real world quite easily. And um, I also think, like you do, that these uh, dApps should be more consumer-friendly, consumer-focused. I mean, you're seeing some of that in gaming, um, I, although I haven't, I've yet to see a, you know, a game, a breakout game and crypto kitties, I don't count. That was just kind of a flash in the pan, but a breakout game or breakout dap that everyone must have. I know we're all looking for that Pokemon moment for, for, uh, AR, uh, to, to occur on the blockchain. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that DAP yet. I know it's coming because there's some really good use cases for the blockchain that you can't do anywhere else. It's only you can only use a blockchain for some of these gaming and DAP uh, use cases. But I haven't seen that uh, developer come up with something that's just mind blowing yet. Do you see anything on the horizon there? Yes, I think that uh, the the real challenge is to um, is to take what what is actually making blockchain interesting. And so most of the dApps that just use blockchain as a way to tokenize are uh, like tokenizing something is not going to uh, motivate people to um, onboard and to do all it takes to, uh, to use blockchain. I think it has still to come from a desire to change the world. And that's what drives users. And so the, the type of startups that will emerge from the blockchain and, and the type of dApps that will be successful are the ones who are uh, not um, who are not restricting themselves to simply being a decentralized version of something. I think it has to uh, bring some something that's a plus, and uh, the blockchain model enables it. Something that was not possible to do without blockchain. I completely agree. I mean, why are we just replicating what's already been done in a more efficient manner using tools that have been around for 30 years? You're right. You've got to use the blockchain in a way that you can only use the blockchain for. And, you know, I know there's, uh, I know five specific use cases where it's more effective than what's, you know, not using a blockchain, but, um, you know, we could talk about those on another show. I, uh, I also agree that, you know, these developers have got to get more creative in how they use the blockchain to make things better. So you might have a supply chain management system with an Oracle database, but my God, with the blockchain, you have an immutable record of everything that's being shipped. So there, there is no, you know, there's, there is no possible way of, of changing that. So you have a complete record that can't be changed across the blockchain. And I don't know why there isn't a blockchain or supply chain, it's just called supply blockchain company that's emerged, that's big, that's saying, hey, stop what you're doing with any kind of supply chain and, and use this. I, I absolutely guarantee it's going to come, but I haven't seen it yet. Right. There are lots of them, actually, who, who are developing and who are making progress, but there is no leader that, that's starting to emerge. So uh, back to the main question, uh, if we want to, to highlight some, some potential uh, big, uh, big yeah. app emerging, uh, I think definitely the voice project, uh, it has a lot of uh, 
great, uh, great potential. Then, of course, it's it's very hard to predict how a startup is, is going to go. We have seen it with uh, Google Plus and all those uh, failures coming from great teams with great ideas. So, um, so it's hard to predict, but uh, yeah, the project looks very good. The team is uh, awesome, and uh, uh, it can uh, it can become one of the main mainstream uh, application of uh, of ADAPT. Okay. Um, another subject I know you love and is near and dear to my heart is EOS and what's going on with EOS. I know you've chimed in at other places, but can you give us an idea of what's going on with EOS and the community and, and the project as a whole? Right. So there is a, the EOS is, is made of two actual uh, ideas. The first one is EOSIO, the software. And the second one is EOS, the community. So Block1 has released a software and the main net that was recognized by the community is the EOS main net. And so uh, a lot of investors are expecting a return on their, uh, their token sale. They, they expect the, the price to go up. Um, and so uh, this is... Uh, in my opinion, a very tricky uh, situation because uh, the, the governance model has been challenged a lot by the community. Uh, it doesn't matter if who agrees, just the fact that uh, a lot of people are skeptical of the governance model doesn't help to uh, get the recognition from the, the whole crypto space. So this is a tricky question on which I don't have uh, an opinion or an expertise. I, I believe that the whole uh, idea is, uh, is uh, valid and that it's uh, uh, definitely uh, a legit uh, uh, business and a legit uh, value proposition. And uh, so then what's very interesting for me is the USAO software because it's, uh, it has uh, enabled a lot of dApps to create fully decentralized uh, backends, and so it means that we have now this capacity that, like all the ICOs I've met during 2016-17, most of them were unable to actually run it uh, using Ethereum. So with EOS, there is this uh, uh, promise to create scalable, uh, decentralized application that has been uh, achieved, and so this is an amazing achievement. Will it influence the price of the EOS uh, coin? It's very hard to, to tell, but uh, uh, it, there definitely is uh, the best product out there in my, uh, in my knowledge. Okay, and yet, is the community worried about, you know, the, uh, the block producers uh, that are out there right now, the 21 of them, most of which are in China, do they... Do you feel like they've got, like, uh, you know, what's the sentiment amongst that community about that situation? So I think there are two answers to that question. The first level is, uh, should we discuss about it and should we challenge uh, the, uh, the way things are working? Yes, it's a democratic model, so people should discuss about issues in terms of is it decentralized to have most of the book producers in China or not? Uh, is it uh, more important to allow the uh, voters to uh, um, to exercise their, their democratic freedom? 
or to reach an outcome that the community wants. And so all those questions are, are very legitimate and are very interesting. Then there is a second debate, which is can uh, the uh, the DPoS protocol work? Is it really decentralized? Is it really blockchain? And in this, it's really a battle of, of uh, frames because uh, for some people, Bitcoin is not decentralized because most of the miners are in China. Um, there are lots of uh, debates in, in that regard and uh, nobody is, is going to be right, but uh, I definitely believe that uh, uh, the, the model of decentralization offered by EOS is today the best uh, compromise uh, available. And then the community will argue, and that's perfect because that's exactly what we expect from a governed democratic blockchain. Yeah. Right. So the sentiment of the community to me, there's definitely a faction that's pretty worried about it. And then there's a faction that sounds like you're in this camp that's not really worried about it because it is kind of a democracy and you don't see collusion amongst those Chinese block producers because, um, you know, that's just not the way it's operating from, from your perspective. Yeah, exactly. So there is a, a cost uh, benefit analysis to be made on one side, there is the price to run uh, the blockchain and uh, the resource consumption and all of that. On the other side, there is the risk uh, of being disrupted. So each blockchain has a potential uh, vulnerability, uh, which can be the mining or, or something else. And the question is how, um, how safe are we from the potential uh, bad outcome uh, in terms of comparing the purely code is low from the proof of work where uh, Ethereum had to do a fork and literally create a new network to cancel uh, a big hack. And on the other side, uh, a community of people that can uh, come from anywhere in the world and who can achieve some um, transformations that have been agreed by the community. And so the second one sounds more scary, but in my opinion, it's... Uh, it's like saying, I'm afraid of people with guns, so I'm going to create 10 kilo guns. <laughs> so just the killers, it's, gonna, it's just going to be harder for them, but they will still be able to kill. They will still be uh, uh, the type of disruption. I mean, if, if tomorrow you have uh, Ethereum used for really heavily illegal stuff, and the same for, for EOS, that's when we will see uh, the, the, the realness of decentralization. But it seems to me that decentralization is, uh, uh, and the, the concept of censorship resistance and all of that are somehow uh, limited to what we want it to be. Uh, if you look at uh, Bitcoin, a lot of people using Bitcoin went to prison. So if a government really wants to go after a certain type of behavior or if they want to identify people, they can still do it uh, with maybe sometimes a little bit of effort but they can still do it. So the governments are still in charge. So this idea of blockchain completely disruptive, disrupting the governments uh, is not desirable and it's not the intent of the blockchain space. I think that uh, we are more here to create uh, alternatives, test them, iterate, see if they are viable, and, and then see how they can be implemented uh, with the uh, 
with compliance. And so, um, yeah, I think the, the real test for decentralization is to see what happens when something highly illegal happens on the blockchain. What can the community do about it? Uh, what can uh, the Steemit or the IPFS users do with contents that are uh, criminal? And, uh, and that, that's how I, I would rate the, the decentralization. And that's when we will find out that there is not, not so much of it, actually. Well, I, you know, I think we've seen some of this occur in some of these blockchains. I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately for me is Ethereum DAO. I don't know if you were around in the space when, when that occurred, but uh, that was a complete fiasco. And they had to, you know, fork it. Now there's Ethereum Classic, and now there's Ethereum. And the money that was taken as part of the DAO is circulating in this black hole. Pretty interesting story if anyone wants to research it and look it up. But the, what the community decided to do was to fork Ethereum. And because of a $200 million theft, and, and now we've got these forks of Ethereum, which is, which is pretty interesting. So the community does take control. Uh, whether you agree with that decision or not, you know, that's up for debate. But, uh, you know, if it's a, right. if it's a that, large that's theft. What I meant. That's what I meant by the, the 10 kilo uh, gun, because with Ethereum, they managed to do something they managed to uh, um, apply some form of uh, community governance but it was just much heavier to do so yeah. and so the question is at at what point the consensus will uh, cooperate with disrupting forces and so miners couldn't because it's completely permissionless uh, EOS, the dps protocol is also permissionless but uh, if you are the one doing something bad, let's say, and you are the only one and the community doesn't care about you, they might uh, break the concept of decentralization. Uh, while if what you do is uh, tolerated, it's uh, maybe in the gray area and you are making a lot of money on EOS and uh, the block producers feel that uh, it's better for them to keep you, then they will potentially protect those dev developers. That, that's my uh, understanding. I might be wrong, but uh, in my opinion, the, the real test is uh, when there is friction with, uh, with the law and, and how would the, the block producers react. Okay, and it's a good segue into my last question. Um, and that is, uh, Vector, did you kind of review or look at Zuckerberg's testimony at the US Congress or in the EU? EU? Yes, sure. Um, Their the, the position is, uh, uh, is very interesting because they are at the same time uh, extremely powerful and extremely helpful to a lot of people in the corporate, in the government, in the military. Uh, so they are supposed to do what they are doing. Then the question is how it can be politicized. So in that case, it was uh, related to Trump. So uh, you had uh, this, this massive uh, controversy because everything that relates to Trump becomes controversial. But this kind of usage of data is, is very common. Uh, in, it's, it's basically the, the standard business model of Facebook. And so everyone is now freaking out, but that's what the internet has been doing. Uh, performance marketing, uh, CPC, demographic targeting, all those, um, those technologies have been around for a very long time. Uh, and uh, the position of Facebook when it comes to Libra, uh, maybe you, you are referring to that. 
I think yes, yeah, Lieber is more what I'm talking about. You know, he was grilled in Congress about it right. a couple of days so, ago, right? Yes, yes. So, so now the position of Facebook, if I understand well, is that they are giving up on their idea to back their currency with uh, uh, with their customized uh, asset uh, basket, and they are going to comply with the U.S. dollar, uh, which means uh, basically it's going to be a new visa. It's going to be a secure visa. So it's getting, it's getting further from the concept of Bitcoin. It's getting further from being defined as a uh, cryptocurrency. Well, I mean, with Libra, you know, my opinion is, you know, how dare this guy who, you know, was banning crypto ads and didn't like crypto all of a sudden becomes the poster boy of crypto because he takes and creates this Libra, you know, company organization. I don't know what you want to call it and starts gathering all these partners. And then Congress calls him and as the face, as the, the, the poster boy for, uh, you know, crypto, at least a stable coin that Libra wants to create or some form of it anyway. And then, you know, he proceeds not to defend the community like any Joe Schmo in the community could defend it. He just basically said, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. And, you know, he, he wasn't, it didn't come from, it didn't come from passion. It's not like he's really bought into this thing. I think he's just doing it to stop somebody else from coming in and taking it over. Like kind of what PayPal did to eBay. And I mean, there's several use cases there, but I just, I'm so upset with his performance at Congress. And at the end of it, um, I, I saw this as breaking news. I don't know if this is true or not, but he had talk, talked about pulling out of Libro. So now he's totally destroyed the reputation of, you know, this, the Libro thing. If this, if this indeed happened and, you know, gave crypto a black eye because he was put up as the poster boy of crypto and then kind of backed away from it. He wasn't passionate about it. He wasn't talking, telling these Congress people, look, you and the banks have had so much control over the monetary system. It's complete horseshit. And we need a competitor to that. And this is the reason why, you know, there are people around the world that don't have access to banking. There's people in the U S that feel like the banking system isn't working for them. This is why we need a competitor to the, a real competitor to the U.S. dollar. Right, right. That, that's the real uh, challenge of uh, blockchain. Like what we we're saying earlier is that blockchain is not only a technology and he's, he's taking it from a, a, uh, an angle of uh, creating one more product or one more product that, yeah. that is packaged right. as social impact. But he doesn't really understand or maybe they, they didn't really understand that the the vision of Satoshi was not to disrupt only the technological aspect of finance, but also the way money is produced. Should money be produced openly and uh, on, on an open ledger, or should money be printed behind closed doors? And today, people in general have uh, more and more, I would say, um, uh, they, they start to lose trust on their governments. We can see it around the world. I've been around for a few decades, and, and I can see clearly the, uh, the, the way people lose respect for the, the politicians. Um, and if you look at the different generations, you know, our grandparents would uh, 
be very respectful towards uh, political figures. And I think that this, uh, this feeling of distrust is, uh, is uh, reaching a point where people basically demand transparency and visibility and they want to see what's going on with money. And uh, Facebook has a track record of showing, doing the opposite, which is to give governments and give corporations access to data while uh, concealing everything uh, they built, all their algorithms and so on from, from the public eye. Gosh, I really appreciate you, Vector, being on the show. I have one final question that I ask everybody, and that is, in 100 words or less, if you could invest a fictional $100,000 in one or two cryptos, what would they be and why? So, um, obviously, Bitcoin uh, as a number one, as a long-term, like, safe uh, placement. And uh, to, to be a little bit more risky, uh, I would uh, definitely... Uh, uh, look at the EOS mainnet and, and the different side chains because they are very promising. And in case of bull run, they, they could, uh, they could uh, increase in value. And, uh, and because I, I believe we are entering soon the uh, blockchain 2.0 in the same uh, way as uh, the 2.0 era in the early 2000s. Uh, I think that in the next phase, uh, we will have projects that will have a lot of traction. Uh, and I believe that the EOS uh, network with their different side chains uh, have great coins out there to, to purchase. All right. So uh, Bitcoin and, and what was the other one, EOS? Yeah, I said EOS and the different side chains because... Yeah, side uh, chains would be yeah, yeah. There are lots of experiments and lots of variants of the EOS, uh, EOS IO software that are being run. And uh, I think that some chains are much smaller because they didn't go through the ICO and they, they might have a very high potential to, to grow. Okay, wonderful. Um, with that, uh, I want you all to visit Vector's website newlife.ai it'll be in the show notes as well and if you enjoyed this podcast please write a review for us in the apple podcast and google play app stores your reviews encourage us and help others to choose our podcast so vector thank you so much for being on the show and uh look forward to staying in touch with you thank you so much bye a reminder that we are not financial advisors and anything we talk about or refer to on the show should not be considered or construed as financial advice. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions.